you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Nikki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J. Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. We will um, remind you about uh, the Marriage Family Life Conference and that the fact that the registration is still open. Yes. And then and then we'll jump right into uh, content for today. All right. Marriage Family Life Conference happening July 7th to the 9th. Uh, you can register uh, this week. Uh, we open it back up on the 25th. And uh, it'll be closed again on the 31st. So if you missed the first go around and you're like, man, I really want to uh, register for the conference and make it, uh, here's your chance. Go to marriagefamilylife.net, marriagefamilylife.net, and uh, register there. And just a, um, a reminder, you know, we have our youth apologetics track, uh, ages 4 to 17. That's a huge feature of our conference where your children will be ministered to as well. So go to marriagefamilylife.net and uh, register today. I have to say, I'm surprised to learn, and probably this number is different since you and I spoke about it yesterday evening, but I was surprised to learn that at least 30 families have registered since registration was reopened. <laughs> I I really, really yeah. am surprised. I would not have imagined that the number um, would have been that significant, that people were just like, wait, no, you guys are serious? Like, you really were going <laughs> to close it? Okay. Um, anyway, so so God bless them. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting together with the body of Christ. It's always a blessing. Um, for us to get together and make much of Jesus. Yes. We live in a culture where he is not made much of, and we see the effects of that. And indeed, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Um, today's program, um, the title of this program is Fortunately, the Gospel. Mm. Fortunately, the Gospel. And and so we're going to talk about uh, Uvalde, Texas, and, and, and what is going on there, not what went on, because this is one of those things that, um, man, it just, you know, Unfortunately, it's going to cycle through the news and then there will be something else. But for these families, you know, um, it's not just a news cycle. Right. Yeah. There, there is something. Anyway, I, I, I can't you can't do justice trying to talk about someone's uh, immense pain when they experience a sudden loss like yeah, that. It, it's, um, a, it's amazing how that's how it uh, stretches beyond um, just the families involved, which is a huge right. loss. But I read something about one of the students who made it out was given an account of what happened. And you got to mm. think that uh, that student and uh, I think it was a, a few others that made it out that that hid, yeah. you know, um, it's like for the rest of their lives, these, this is something that, you know, is going to be uh, present with them. But it, it's, yeah. a, it's just an amazing tragedy. Yeah, I was um, in thinking about this and trying to process, you know, the second, third and fourth graders. Um, this we we have a son, Nathaniel, who is mm. in this age Mm-hmm. who um, falls into this category. And so you try to start processing, you know, um, what would a kid in this age group be thinking and how right. would they, you know, you're just really talking about immense wickedness uh, is what you're talking about. You're, you're talking about um, a type of, a type of evil that um, you're not going to 
make laws to get rid of that. Mm. You understand that is that's something that is in the heart of a person that is sin and wickedness in the heart that the only remedy for that is the gospel. And, and fortunately for us, we know what that is. We know the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And we must be sharing the gospel. But I want to take um, an angle that I think um, our listeners have come to expect. We will look at the authority of God's word, and then we will explore uh, the intersection of the application of God's word or the lack of the application of God's word and the ill effects on our society. So Christians are always tasked with uh, being salt and light in every culture, every generation. That's that's our responsibility. It's sort of the expected burden that we bear. And um, we do that for the glory of God. But what happens in a culture where you have Christians who have not made much of Christ and we have not entrusted our children with the gospel? Right. We have not presented the gospel to our children mm. Um I'm just I'm just trusting here and we'll agree you kind of um, if if you think we need to give some more of the background. I know that so many of our listeners listen across all of our shows. And so I don't ever want to take for granted that people are familiar with what happened um, in Uvalde, Texas, or I assume at this point that. I mean, yeah. around the world, people yeah. know what happened yeah. um, at this elementary school where right. there were 21 people who lost their lives, uh, 19 children and uh, two teachers. And as I understand from the information here, it was one classroom. I think they were, yeah, they, uh, it was a teacher and her co-teacher. And just as the details continue to come out and I'm reading different pieces of, of news and and listening and watching clips of, of people who are being interviewed, you know, uh, families of law enforcement officers, and then the grandfather of the gunman. Um, It's just, it's very chilling to me. You know, it's sort of, it's just very, um, just hard to, as a parent, all of us, right. It's just hard to process what that, what that kind of uh, pain and trauma means for children that age, what it means for anybody, but what it means for children that age. Um, As we were talking with our kids about this, Um, And spending some time in prayer for those families, you know, one of our kids just, man, was sort of it's it's the feeling that I think we all have as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, man, we really despise the sin and the wickedness in the world that we live in. Mm. And our hearts just really long for the Lord. And and we just wish that these things were not so. But we are we are longing um, for the restoration of all things. Right. That that what God originally intended will be realized. And I know that that sounds um, because I've I've also read the headlines, some of these stories, I don't read all of them, but I've read the headlines of some of the people who uh, there's no fear of God in their eyes that they say um, things like we're not going to be able to pray our way out of this. Mm. Well, that's factually untrue. <laughs> that is factually untrue. And it speaks it speaks grand boasts of things um, of which these people know nothing. Right. They know nothing. They right. do not know God. So they cannot speak to um, the power of prayer or what God does uh, intervening in the lives of those who cry out to him. So right. so those people we can we can dismiss. But I, I, I really want to talk about um, the importance of the gospel. And I, I kind of want to look at this age group that the gunman is in. Mm. And and I, I, I want to explore some things that I think, you know, as Christians, we have to look deeply into these things and we have to ask ourselves questions about the implications of the absence of the gospel. 
Have we so normalized the absence of the gospel that we are now just using sort of common everyday terms and definitions to describe things that the Bible clearly calls sin. And then as that sin grows, right, when, when it's uh, when it's full, fully grown, it gives birth to death. So so what we are looking at, I really believe, um, and there's something about this, as it's called this Generation Z. And these are the kids that are born uh, 1997 to 2012. And it really depends on what kind of data that you're looking at. You know how sometimes the numbers are off by one or two years or whatever, but somewhere in this range, this is going to be our teenagers and our very, very early college graduates, right? So they graduated in, um, would have been 2020, 2021. Um, that would have been the oldest of the generation Z. And so then down to like about 11 right now, that's, wow. that's considered generation Z. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something interesting that is shaping up in this generation. So this shooter, this 18 year old shooter who had just turned 18 um, would be in this, in this age group. And, and while we are having conversations about needing to have uh, greater protection for kids in schools across this country, um, I've heard conversations about um, being able to have armed Uh, law enforcement officers on campuses all across this country, um, numbering the the public schools that we have and what it would take to cover that. And and I do believe that there is a need to protect our kids. Mm -hmm. But I, I think that in this conversation, there is a piece that is missing. And that is the introduction of the gospel. Right. And and if anybody is rolling his or her eyes at this point, it is because you do not know Jesus. Right. What is it that we claim about the gospel? Yes, the truth is, the good news is that we are redeemed because of what Jesus Christ did. Right. But not only that, in this redemption, in the fact that we have acknowledged that what Jesus Christ did is sufficient, there is a type of um, exchange, if you will. Right. So so we are able to get rid of our filth and those things that require God's judgment. They require, they demand God's judgment, if you will. But in exchange for that, we, we get rid of our guilt. But now the spirit of God comes to indwell us. And so what does that mean for the believer? And I was talking about this yesterday with a dear sister of mine, and we were just exploring the book of Romans, and we were looking at Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And, and indeed, I want to look at chapter 8 today. Um, what does it mean for the Christian? So, because what I want to do is I want to teach believers how to make much of the potency of the gospel. Mm. Like there are a lot of people who really believe that, like you, you do believe that belief in Jesus Christ saves you. You really do believe that I would not be, you know, so reckless, uh, you know, so as to say that you don't even believe that. No, I, I believe that people believe that. And there are some people who believe that's sort of like a fanciful hope. They're like, well, I hope that it's, that it's true. I believe in because I hope that it's true. So, yes, I believe. And, and so there's, you know, we can work with that. We can grow in our understanding of that. My greater concern, <laughs> my greater concern is for the people who do not believe in the potency and the power of the gospel to transform us in real time. That really, truly having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ produces a change in us that is notable Mm -hmm. that other people can observe and other people can can see and where you yourself can say okay I used to be like this 
Mm, I used to think this way. I used to do these things. I used to have these feelings, but now I think this way. I have these feelings and I do these things. And it's really concerning to me that we have lost the testimony aspect of the gospel Mm. that Mm. sort of like anticipated changed lives in real time, not in the sweet by and by when we all get to glory What a day of rejoicing that. Well, yeah, that is true. Those things are true. We are looking ahead to that. But in real time, the Bible is very clear that to actually have accepted and believed the gospel and to have the the debt paid, right, means that there is a real time change in the life of the believer. I, I believe that people are neglecting this. And the evidence for this neglect is that we have children who are largely growing up without a clear presentation of the gospel. If we had children who had a a clear presentation of the gospel and were able to respond to the Lord's call, right? Come get rid of your sin. I've already paid the price for this. Come and lay this down, right? All of your living and acting for your flesh, you no longer have to be bound by that. You don't have to be held hostage to the law of sin with all of its demands. The Bible describes sin as a law. So it's like you think of the law of gravity. If it goes up, it's going to fall down. So the law of sin made demands of our lives, meaning you will do these things. Mm. You have, you will do these things because you by nature are a slave to your sin. You have no choice. You will do these things. But what did Jesus do? Jesus broke those chains, right? And so he set people free. And so what is the freedom? The freedom now is to not be bound by the law of gravity. That means, like using the same illustration here, that means that it can go up, but it doesn't have to come down, Mm. right? It can go up, but it can stay up because now we're going to defy the law of sin. We are going to break free from those demands made of us by sin, Sin was a slave master saying you have to do these things. And so what do we see now in our children that should cause us great alarm that really points to a lack of the proliferation of the gospel? We're going to talk about that. I'm going to talk to you about some of the descriptors that would have been used or that are used right now to describe this Generation Z. What, what, what is it with these kids? What is going on? And is there a remedy that doesn't involve like tens of thousands of law enforcement officers across this country trying to pack out like 100,000 schools? Like what, what is, what, may, maybe there's something. Fortunately, fortunately, the gospel, guys, mm-hmm. the gospel. I'm mm-hmm. not going to get tired of saying it because I believe it. We'll be right back. I love you forever. I love you forever. I love you forever. No more. Say, I love you forever. I love you forever. I Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening and letting us spend this hour of time with you daily. Mm-hmm. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Ty Trivet with I Love You Forever. Fortunately, the gospel. Fortunately, the gospel. That's what mm-hmm. we're talking about. And as we talk about steps um, that need to be taken to protect our kids in this country, and everybody's sort of throwing in their um, 
their ideas and their suggestions. Hmm. Um, this is happening throughout um, t- television shows, uh, news shows, and podcasts alike. And and so, um, since we are a part of a public national conversation, we want to make sure that the gospel is up there as well. And when, <laughs> Amen. <We're in> <laughs> right? Like, I just, I just want to, <laughs> I just want to make sure to make the case for the gospel yeah. as a line of defense for our children. That's all I want to do. That's all I want to do. Like everybody's talking about, you know, um, politics and 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 even to say, well, it's not going to that's not going to do anything. And then there are people talking about the politics of, you know, what you should do. And then this will do and all of this. And and then there are people talking about um, the practical steps of having armed guards. And they're talking about all the places where we have armed guards and and these things become representative of what we love and value most. And those are interesting conversations um, I've enjoyed listening and reading on some of those conversations. Um, but I, I would like to say, what about the gospel as a line of defense for our children? Like, what about the gospel in, in each of these scenarios that we have experienced in our country? And I want to limit this conversation, just the scope of it for today, to talking about what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Um, but you can just, you could apply this just across the country. Like, what, you know, what about if the gospel were introduced Right. In any giving in any one of these given scenarios, what if the gospel had been introduced? Um, things would be and could be uh, quite different. And so so we'll agree. I know yesterday you were talking about this culture of softness and, and we've kind yeah. of been exploring this kind of back and forth. And I think that this is going to really tie in to what you were talking about um, yesterday, because I think that the, the way we've gotten here with this generation and I'm looking at this 18 year old um who just uh had just wickedly murdered hmm. children yeah and two teachers just wickedly just you know barricaded himself in a room in a classroom and just picked those kids off like i, hmm. I you know I, um just just wickedness <laughs> guys just pure pure wickedness um but he is in this generation of kids who um, this generation that is very troubling to me, when you look at the information, you look at sort of like a composite of these kids. um, It's very concerning. This is again, why we do things like our youth apologetics track, because we recognize that there's something going on with these kids. There, there is really something going on with these kids and largely parents and sometimes grandparents, not all, but some have been kind of checked out just thinking that, well, that's just the way they are. That's just the newness of this generation. But some of these things are just clear expressions of the absence of the gospel and they are not to be accepted. Neither are they to be tolerated. What we have to do is then move in, move in with the gospel. I'm choosing that language intentionally move in with the gospel. We've weakened our children by robbing, robbing them of the gospel We've catered to popular psychology when dealing with our children. We tell them that they are anxious and that they are depressed. We tell them that they are bipolar. We give them all of this terminology that if you notice, this generation uses it a lot. And and if you're just joining us, I'm talking about Generation Z. These are our teens. They were born roughly between 1997 and 2012. Mm. And this generation is depressed, discontent, confused, sexually and emotionally and any other way that you can think to describe there is great confusion among this generation they're anxious they're greedy they're disobedient they are lonely they're envious they're angry they're jealous they're given to fits of rage 
and ultimately they are suicidal. According to the CDC, suicide is the second largest or the second leading cause of death after um, motor vehicle accident for for this age group, for well, the age 10 to 24, ages 10 to 24. That's amazing. Suicide. That's amazing. We think about that. That's amazing. And like, just if you pause for a second, right? Yeah, I mean, think about that. One of the things that came out that one of the narratives of this whole uh, incident was that uh, there was some people saying that there wasn't enough mental health places in this area to serve um, a, a young man like this. And so it seems like the the tilt always goes back to stuff like that, you know, instead of root causes and what, yes. what is really going on. And yes. this society has built those type of things uh, into it to where you have this, you know, uh, softness and you have yes. this can't, you know, this inability to, to cope with, with with trouble and things like that, that we didn't face when we no. grew up, you know? No, no, because because our parents didn't largely indulge popular psychology. Yeah. So because our parents didn't indulge that, the things that. Today, we give our kids sort of a hall pass on, you know, we we dealt with and were stronger because we were forced to deal with that. So, like, for example, um, in today's culture with this generation, if a kid encounters something that is too difficult or too hard, the parent automatically perceives that to be a potential source of trauma. So what the parent does is says to the kid, you don't have to do that. No, no, no. I'm not going to make you do that. You don't have to do that. And so then what does that say to the kid that says to the kid that above all things, above maybe my commitment or my obligation or what I was expected to do above all things, my mental health is important. This is the same thing. We saw this um, uh, in the Olympics with the, the girl who got out because oh, yeah. of her mental the, health. The I forget her name. Naomi. Um, um, she did. But yeah. then also the gymnast. Um, oh, oh, my goodness. Biles, I'm drawing Simone, a blank on her. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Yeah. Huge discussion. Right. So I don't I don't have any obligation. So what we what we are exalting today in our culture is mental health. Right. Even as we talk about this shooter and we're looking at mental health, we continue to exalt that it almost becomes a sort of a defense for when our kids sort of are get out of the way. Right. Well, you know, she just gets anxious. So we just we just try not to put her in situations where a generation ago, a generation ago, what would have happened is you would have told your kid you better greet that adult. Mm. You better say thank you. You're not going to just sit there. Somebody walks in the room and you're not going to say good evening yeah. or good afternoon. Yeah. Now, now we say to the kid, well, you know, they don't, they don't really, they don't like talking. And, and you, you know, know, so we just make space for that. It's been so built in to now when you say things like that, people automatically say, man, that's not right. You're hateful. You're being too like hard, you know, like, man, we need these facilities and things like that and i'm not saying that there's never a time when someone needs some help from the outside right but right. we've made a culture out of it you know no, and it hasn't hasn't served our our children or our adults well that's exactly not at all not at all and and what i'm saying is if you have helps for your kids okay the helps should come after the hope in the gospel mm, come on but we put the helps Man. first. So what we have done, and, and guys, we have sent a horrible message to our children by putting the helps first and putting and, and, and really centering the child rather than centering the gospel, making the, the, the health of the child of utmost importance. I, I, I dare not make my kid uncomfortable. So we load down our kids 
with all sorts of social media and entertainment, which we have found is actually making them sicker, mentally speaking, emotionally speaking, physically speaking. We, but we continue to apply this as a medicine because we can't say no to our kids. We can't, we can't say no to our kids because far be it from us that our kids should, should have a frown when we say something that they don't like. We can't stomach that. So we, so we then, but, and again, I want to filter all of this through the absence of the gospel. So while all of this is happening, we're also not presenting the gospel. So when we are talking about the mind and, and I want to talk about this practically, I want to talk about how the Lord by his spirit might lead and might help parents to, t- to kind of turn the tide just a little bit here with our children. And I'm talking specifically to Christian parents because we've got Christian parents who are watching their kids just sort of self-destruct and then you're just feeding it by giving them terms. Yeah, kind of manic, manic depressive. Kind of a little, bit, a little bit bipolar, just a little. And we're just giving them these terms. And the kids, like, I, guys, I want you to think about it. So, you know, and we were talking about this on our ride back. We were, uh, we were in Illinois with, with a body of believers in Illinois at a homeschooling conference. Wonderful time. As we were driving back, we were talking about this, Will the Great and I. There are things now that our kids are saying. They are super stressed out, super overwhelmed, given to panic attacks. And they're saying all of these things that we would have said in a moment, like we had a test coming up. So we'd be like, man, I got it. It's crunch time, right? Oh, I hate this. Ah, right. But we get through it. And then we go to take the test and we're taking the test and we're like, oh, man, I can't remember what number one is. Oh, man, I hope everybody misses it because maybe then there'll be a curve. But we get through it. And on the other side of it, we've done it and it's over today. Now we have kids. We like, you know what? Hold on. She actually has test taking anxiety. So we're going to take her out of the room. And we're going to allow her to take the test in a space where she won't feel that anxiety. So we want to remove that pressure. Guys, listen to me. Look, if you if you have a different philosophy, then you run with that. But what I am telling you is that if your child comes to you and I'm going to I'm going to prove it to you in real time. This is what we do in the Addison household. If your kid is coming to you and describing a Bible malady, then do not apply a pop a pop cultural solution to that. If it is a Bible malady, if it is a sin sickness that your kid is, because we like words that are popular today. So presenting, if your kid is presenting with a pop cultural malady or a a Bible malady, let me say that the Bible has defined what this is, then do not turn to popular culture for their remedies. This actually works against your child. Now, I want to I want to look at two scriptures and I'm kind of torn on where to go here, but I want to look at two scriptures. So so look, it's time for us. And I was writing some things down as I was thinking about this and and just sort of processing. It's time for us to protect our kids um, with the gospel. Our children's lack of mental strength. Listen to me, guys. And I say this lovingly. I we are raising three Gen Zers. And three Gen Alphas in our house right now. So we're going to be coming at you live and direct for many years on these generations, okay? Because we're raising them right now. But our kids' lack of mental strength is evidence of a mind that is not set on the spirit. Now you say, well, Miki, you can't just reduce it to that. But okay, but be mad at the Bible because the Bible does. Mm. The Bible reduces it to that. (laughs) The mind that is set on the things of the flesh, the mind that is set on the flesh, is hostile to God, right? Indeed, there is an an upset. There is a lack of peace in this mind. 
The Bible lays this out very clearly. This is Romans chapter eight, verse five. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But then there is hope. Right. So this is this is where the music kind of turns to the upbeat here in verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. So why do we present the gospel? Because when we're talking to our kids. When they've heard the gospel and they've believed and they've received Jesus Christ, now we can appeal to them by way of the fact that the spirit of God resides in them. They really do have struggles. I'm not dismissing the struggles. But what I'm saying is that we have not approached the struggles in light of a biblical conviction. We have approached the struggles with pop cultural um, psychology, pop cultural emotionalism. This is what we do. And we just apply that to our kids. We keep telling our kids these things. And so we are not providing for them an eternal remedy to the sin sickness that they have. Mm. This is what they have. In fact, the spirit of God dwells. Okay. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, let me stop there. I want to say this. So because we're raising Gen Zers, um, we are able to observe them. They sort of become sort of an observational case as we watch them with their different emotions and how they're growing up and the culture that they're growing up in. So when we talk to you about um, reaching our kids with the gospel, we're not talking to you about what we did in the 90s. We're talking to you about what we're doing right now in real time with these kids under our roof. This is not well when I was your. No, we have these kids right now. So we're watching, we're watching the softness and we're calling it out. Even in our kids, it, it is the spirit of this age. Like we are watching these things in our kids. So we've got one kid. I want to give you an example here because we want to talk practical, right? Like how, how do we do this? What? Well, first we got to present the gospel. That's number one. Then number two, you got to appeal to their conscience by way of the fact that they have believed the gospel and that Jesus Christ has saved them and that the spirit now indwells them. And so there was evidence of fruit being produced in their life. Yeah. So you got one kid I noticed is given to sort of deep, uh, deep thinking on a regular basis, just really kind of um, just sinking in and kind of just like going, you know, it's like you want to say come towards the light kind of a thing, like just really kind of spending a lot of time just kind of like in, in her own thoughts. Right. And so I noticed this and, and I, on one occasion, and this has been in the last year here, um, I said, I said, hey, I said, hey, can I talk to you? And I said, what's going on? And oh, I'm just thinking, I'm just, I said, okay, well, you just need to make sure that you are always filtering your thoughts through the truth of the word of God. So then we have another occasion where I noticed that um, she's a little bit frustrated, a little bit angry, right? And so I'm, I'm saying, hey, listen, let me tell you something. I make myself available to you when you are wrestling with your thoughts I want you to come to me. And we used to, a long time ago, we used to watch Word Word Girl. Um, we stopped because they started sketching all of the characters <laughs> as, like, most of them as androgynous. So our kids were like, is that a man or a woman? We don't know. So we stopped watching it. But we used to watch Word Girl. And there was a segment um, called May I Have a Word. May I Have a Word. 
So I'll tell you how I use that to connect her to the fact that she needs to seek the word when she's wrestling in her mind. Guys, engagement, we can do it if we will do it. All right, we'll grab the break and I'll pick up here on the other side. Aaron the Addisons, stay close. See on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me. My Jesus set me free. And look at the wounds that give me life. Grace flowing from his side. No greater sacrifice. What he's done. What he's done. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are forgiven. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Hello, I'm Bo Handsome, and this is... May I have a word? As usual, the player who correctly defines today's featured word will win a fabulous prize. Let's play! May I have a word? Yes, you may. So welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We are in the thick of it with raising our kids. We've got Gen Z and Gen Alpha. And I don't know if they're going to remain Gen Alpha because sometimes they can go through changes in the names that they give each of the generations. I don't know if it's going to be Gen A eventually. It may have already changed. I don't know. Um, but we're talking about real time. Uh, fortunately, the gospel. Our kids who are in this this current generation, the um, loneliest generation in the history of, of America, um, the least religious generation in the history of America. I mean, it's just very troubling. A lot of the information that um, is coming out or that is out about Generation yeah. Z and looking at the shooter that he was 18, he falls squarely in this generation. They're depressed, they're discontent, they're envious, um, they're, they're jealous, they're lonely, they're angry, they are given to fits of rage. And ultimately, and this is the saddest, they are suicidal. Um, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that um, suicide ideation has... Um, continued to rise since 2007. So this is not a new thing. This is not a COVID thing, but it's been on the rise, like ticking up since 2007. I, I make some um, some connections there and in, in, uh, presentations that I do on this. And, and I, I think, you know, parents have to notice that. So I'm talking about the gospel, the gospel thrown in um, into the ring. And I say thrown into the ring, not like it's on par with all these other solutions. It's far superior, but yeah. No one's talking about it. Let's let's talk about the gospel. Let's center Jesus and what would happen if to this generation we were able to reintroduce the gospel, right, to, to present to them the gospel, then things might change. And so before we went to the break, I was talking practically here and looking at some of the things that we are navigating with our children when we see sin rearing its ugly head, when we see those things that the Bible clearly gives us a prescription against, right, like gives us a remedy to, mm -hmm. then we've got to deal with our kids um, as with the use of the scriptures and not just whatever is pop culturally normative. And so I was talking about how, I noticed with um, one of our daughters, um, she was having a, a bad day, and I and I said to her, I said, "Listen, hey, I want to I want to establish this between the two of us, okay?" I said, "When you are when there's something going on in your mind, and you are wrestling with your thoughts, I want you to come up to me, and I want you to say, "May I have a word?" I said, and then you're we're gonna you and I we're gonna pull away from everything that's going on, 
and you're going to tell me what you're thinking and we are going to go to the scriptures. And I am confident that whatever it is that you're wrestling with at that time, the Bible speaks to it because God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And I said, can we, can we do that? Can we have that as a thing? And she was like, yeah. And she's kind of laughing because we, we love to do plays off phrases and, and words and all of these things. And so the fact that it was, may I have a word was really funny. Right. So, well, lo and behold, you know, a week or so, um, goes by and she walks up to me and she just taps me real quick. And then she says, may I have a word? And I go, absolutely. I was in the kitchen. Absolutely. We come into the bedroom and we close the door and it's just the two of us and we're sitting face to face and what's going on. What are you, what are you? So she starts sharing with me some of her thoughts. Now, listen, I'm not going to go into all of the details, but as she's sharing with me, some of her thoughts, I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to understand what it is that she's truly wrestling with. Because sometimes the information that is presented is not the information that you just need mm. to like jump on that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to ask the spirit of God to give us discernment, help us to understand the issue underneath what is immediately presented. Yeah. And so as she's talking, I really sense the Holy Spirit just, just impressing upon my heart that right now what I am observing is a lack of contentment. That even with all the things that she's saying, there is discontent there. There is some discontent there, maybe a little bit of jealousy, maybe a little bit of envy. And so the Holy Spirit reminds me of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And so I, and I told her, when we do, may, may I have a word, we're going to the, go to the word. So she has her Bible with her. So I open my Bible and I say, open your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And then we read together. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take or we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. So then I say, I say, so I have a question. Has the Bible spoken to the deepest concern of your heart right now, even with everything that you're saying? Is this a contentment issue? And she kept, she starts smiling. She goes, man, that's, that's, man, the Bible really does speak to everything, doesn't it? Mm. And I go, yeah, it sure <laughs> does. And I, and I go, so yeah. above all of the examples that you're sharing with me today and you're thinking this and feeling this and that person, this and all of this, I said, is, has the Bible really struck at the core of what you're dealing with? And she was like, yeah, like kind of smiling this right, like kind of, you know, like, man, it's just crazy. Why? Because the word of God penetrates our heart. Amen. So the smiling is not because like, oh, this is fun, because really the Bible is saying, hey, you're not content, you're discontent. And that's right. actually an accusation right. that except for the Holy Spirit to water, right, and make the ground ready to receive the word, that you might bristle against it. Mm. But the Holy Spirit does the work. So what happens? So then I say, so so is this a question of sin? Are you what you're battling with? Are you justified in fixating on these things? Or is this an issue of sin that you need to take to the Lord and repent of? Yeah, I need to repent of that. Now, why is that important? Because sometimes we parents want to just jump in and fix the things. So maybe, oh, I'll, I'll get you this or I'll do this. Oh, I know what we can do. Let's go here. Let's go do. And, and we keep trying to put some sort of like Band-Aid over like the gaping wound, right? Which is sin in the life of our children that we have to deal with, that they have to be able to recognize. And what are we doing for them when we help them pinpoint sin in their life? We are setting them up for adulthood where they will then go to the scriptures because they're able to pinpoint sin yeah. in their life. 
So when we've got these kids who are, and let me open the phone lines, 888-589-8840. Should have done that sooner. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Sherry B will get you queued up. When we've got kids who are struggling, they're angry, they are bitter, they're lonely, they're depressed, they're suicidal. The remedy for that is not that we just keep putting terms on it, that we just keep normalizing that and saying, man, they've got some mental health issues. The remedy to that is the gospel. And then when you've got a converted kid, then you want to appeal to that kid to to the fact that that kid is regenerated and, and the fact that the spirit of God lives inside that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, I know, I know this is not the, you know, um, like you can't write, you know, pamphlets around this. And then this is not, you know, this is not going to be like your five point approach right. to stopping the kind of violence that we're seeing happening among young people. But, like, but, but this is good because we're talking, if you're talk, we're talking to Christian parents, this should be the way that we desire to do things using yes. the word of God, the gospel to be able to answer, you know, the different situations and, you know, the world, they're going to do what they going to do as far as having different answers and yes. you need this and you need that. But what if the body of Christ said, no, we're going to rely strictly upon the word of God, upon the fellowship that we have with other believers, upon, you know, the things that God has given us. And we're going to use the word, you know, to to answer these questions, like just like you did with our daughter, you know, yes. to be able to use the word of God and to show in the word of God, like where the error is. And instead yeah. of immediately going to somewhere outside of the body to try to get a solution. <laughs> what if we made up our mind and say, well, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, look, you know what this is? This, this guys, listen, and I'm, I'm, you know, this is the exercise of parental rights. Mm. We want to stop at parental rights, just being the right to pick curricula. Like per, what? No, come on, man. It's, it's the right. Nay, it's, it's the moral obligation to present the gospel to your children and to give them a biblical defense so that they can stand in a wicked culture. Yeah. That's it. You want to talk about parental rights? Like, I know that that's not going to be on a bumper sticker, but if you want to talk about parental rights, you want to talk about what our right is as a parent, what, what God expects of us, man, how could it be anything more than the gospel getting to mm-hmm. our kids and giving them a firm biblical foundation? All right, let's go to the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Will the Great, where do we go first? Let's go to Paula in Kentucky. Hi, Paula. Hi, how are you all? Hello. It is a pleasure to speak with you. God bless you. Um, Nikki, I know you don't want to hear this, but you're my hero, Mom. Um, I'm 60. I have a 22-year-old daughter. She has two children that they live with me because the father is in prison. Hmm. Um, But, you know, I raised her. It's, It's been hard for me to totally give my life to God, and he is my Savior. Hmm. My Lord. But she's in that age. She had a lot of bad things happen to her as a young thing that a girl should not have had happen. Mm. And um, she was raised in the church. But now she she loves God, but she sits on the fence. You know, she believes like this culture does in a sense. You know, it's a woman's choice. And and, and, a very smart girl. She's Mm. a doula, midwife, and now she's working on a holistic um, master's degree. But... I just would ask if you guys could pray because she thinks I shove the Bible down her throat, which I don't speak verses, you know, all the time. I just live Mm. by the word. 
Mm. Um, if you guys could pray for me, because it, it really hurts to see such a beautiful child who's been so hurt yeah. um, and not let go of that hurt. And she knows how wonderful she's seen. We've had a men's program for years where she's seen multiple men saved. Um, and so she sees the power of God. She knows what he can do, mm. but she won't, she won't give in to it. Mm. It's very hard to watch. I'm going to, Paula, it, I, let me just pray for you right now. I just, I just want to pray for you right now. And, and believers listening or will join in with me. Lord God, I just, I pray for our sister and I pray for her daughter. Lord God, and her cry has gone out and it's very clear. Um, I think the burden of this is experienced by every parent who has a wayward child. And Father God, I pray for her daughter. Lord God, I pray that by the power of your spirit that you will soften her heart, Lord. I pray that the hostility that exists, I pray that the plan of the evil one will be thwarted. And I pray that she will return to truth. Lord God, and I pray that all of the gifts that you've given her, you've given her these gifts, you've given her this brilliant mind. I pray that those things will be used for your glory. I pray, Lord, that as she is in the midst of um, this season, that this will turn out to be an incredible testimony where you will be glorified. Mm. We agree with all of the prayers that Paula is lifting up on behalf of her daughter. Lord, I pray that you will save her, that you will draw her to yourself and that you will receive all of the glory. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. God bless you um, to my sister Paula. We appreciate you. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Tina in Tennessee. Hi, Tina. Hello there. First of all, I just I, I love you guys, and I thank God for you, and I thank you for, for teaching and, and speaking truth. Um, I say the gospel is the key to everything that, that ails society. And I take that position from Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6, which says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, Mm -hmm. that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is the answer. Where Amen. there's alienation, the gospel presents reconciliation. And where there's hopelessness, the gospel presents hope. Mm. And where mm. there's turmoil, the gospel presents peace. Mm. And where there is isolation, the gospel presents unity. And where there's defiance, the gospel gives us obedience. And where there is entitlement, the gospel shows us to serve and love one another. And where there's lifelessness and apathy, the gospel gives us new life. And so I just thank God for your program and thank God for the truth that you're speaking. And I pray that for the folks in Texas and in all of these other places who have experienced the evil that is just prevalent right now, that they would take comfort in knowing the God of all hope. Amen. Oh, Tina. I I have to tell Amen. you, I'm so grateful to end on your comments today because I think that was such a beautiful presentation um, regarding the gospel. I, you know, I, we've got some listeners who will take some of our programs um, and will transcribe some of them, <laughs> will, you know, because they hear something, they're like, man, this is worth like writing down. And Boy, I, I think 
that last yeah, um, definitely. expression there is definitely something <laughs> that I, I would like to read again and to share again. So, Tina, thank you so much. God bless you. Mm. Appreciate you beginning with the word and ending with the encouragement that the gospel is enough. The mm. gospel is sufficient. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.